Hi guys, Paul from the innovation community here. Today I'm with Vincenzo Manzoni, who is the data science director at Tenaris. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Paul, for the invitation. Just to start with, tell me a bit about yourself in a few words, Vincenzo. Okay, Paul. Um, I'm an Italian, 37 years old. Um, I have a computer science background. In particular, in 2011, I got a PhD in information technology at Politecnico di Milano, which is uh, the top-rated Italian technical university. Uh, I did my PhD. Uh, my major was in machine learning applied to intelligent transportation systems. Uh, in particular, in the, in the period, uh, I'm listed in, as, a, as inventor in a patent about uh, driving style, one thing that is now is very, very common in all, the, in all the cars because of the, the capability of reducing the CO2 emissions just by improving the quality of the driving. Fantastic. So where did your professional career start? Um, I, during my PhD, I did to to professional experience, let's say between academia and professional experience. I, in 2008, uh, I have been a visiting researcher uh, with uh, SAP Labs France, where I work on computer security. While in 2010, I moved for uh, a semester to MIT. I work for uh, a laboratory there, the Sensible City Lab, where I applied machine learning uh, mainly for modeling CO2 emissions based on different uh, type of transportation means. Uh, remember that at that time, uh, the word data science probably was not even invented and machine learning was just uh, a data-driven modeling technique for researchers. My real professional career started in uh, 2011. I've always been more interested in applying data, data science techniques uh, in industry uh, with respect to academia. I, all of my PhD was oriented for, for let's say, providing me a career in the, in the industry after the, the, the PhD. When I finished, I decided to apply for Tenaris. Tenaris is a multinational company, uh, which is a world leader for supply and product and services related to tubular products for the oil and gas uh, industry. At that time, 2011, I was hired as a R&D researcher, a researcher in the R&D department. And my role was to design and implement advanced process control systems for controlling our industrial transformation processes. We can see um, advanced process control systems as a mixture between hardware and software that read sensor from the field. Uh, they apply sophisticated mathematical algorithm in order to find the best correction in order to improve the processes. And with that in mind, how did you finally move into the data science space? <laughs> Interesting question. Um, at the time, uh, I was the only one computer engineer with computer science background in the team. So I used to work on all the activities related to data acquisition, data processing. And together with our advanced process control systems, uh, we managed to accumulate a lot of data with a very high quality because uh, we, we use this data to control our machines. So we perform on this data uh, sophisticated algorithm to clean it and to extract metrics. Therefore, 
uh, I had uh, some opportunities to use this data for supporting investment decision, to support troubleshootings and uh, optimization initiatives. Uh, was in that moment, so 2015, when we realized that uh, we were sit on a treasure made of the data we collected in the previous uh, three, four years. So a traditional manufacturing company not really using data science. How was the data science department born in Tenaris? In fact, at the time, 2015, there were no data science departments in Tenaris. Uh, we invented from the bottom. So what we practically did was to split um, the department I used to manage at that time. And we split in two parts. One part was uh, then led by another person and they continue to do what they, what they used to do. So advanced process control systems. While I started up the data science department at that time called big data because big data was the uh, most well-known uh, keyword for this kind of activities. And with the help of a senior professional that came from the market, we decided to, to start this, uh, this department. It was May 2015. Uh, it's very interesting to, in my opinion, to discuss a little bit, present uh, where we decide to put the data science department within the Tenaris organization. We decide to put the, the data science department in the R&D. In particular, because Tenaris, uh, as at that time, in particular, had two different souls uh, with respect to R&D. Uh, we, we still have a product R&D where we design our products. And we have also a, an industrial process R&D, which is the part of the company where we are trying to improve our industrial processes. So um, we believe that putting this department all together, the other uh, sub-department devoted on optimizing industrial processes was a good move in order to leverage the access and the, let's say the value hidden within the data in order to uh, improve the industrial processes. Working together with the most important experts of the company, in fact, uh, was an enabler for this kind of activities. That's a really unique approach, I think, and actually using the, the, the skills within R&D to, 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 to uh, you know, give birth to that department is, is great. How did you manage to, to grow from that point then? Uh, grow is always uh, a topic. Uh, sometimes it comes from the top, uh, other time comes from the bottom. Uh, we are a company that uh, really promote initiative when they prove to be successful. So we, first you need to prove to be successful and then they allow to grow. So we had the opportunity in 2016 uh, to present uh, our results that we obtained in one year international in an internal international convention um, we believe that the, that moment was a proper moment because uh, in the world data science uh, was starting getting momentum and also in the manufacturing which usually is the last uh, business where this kind of uh, uh, very advanced technological initiative uh, take place so thanks to these results uh, we we managed to grow to from two people to four people, and the following year, from four people to, to eight people. We were, uh, I mean, my department, with my, with my team, 
we managed to introduce in Tenaris uh, um, as first uh, uh, most of the cutting edge data-driven technology. In particular, in 2016, uh, we introduced in Tenaris the first data lake. It is a Hadoop cluster based on Cloudera platform for which we've been selected by Cloudera as a success case uh, for, for, um, for the energy business. And in 2020, in February, we have introduced the first uh, uh, Kubernetes cluster on-premise. We use it for, as a, to, for providing data science lab to our researchers and for deploying uh, our data-driven product. Uh, the numbers uh, are small, as I said, so currently we are seven people, uh, because we, we work in particular on a very complex problem that cannot uh, be handled by IT people or domain experts. Uh, so most of the time we need to deal with the project complexity, so complexity of the project itself, and the complexity related to the number of data, both in terms of rows, so let's say depth in time, and in terms of columns, so the number of variables we need to treat. So our mantra was, uh, uh, has always been to grow together with the complexity. So for each project, we select the most important variables for uh, solving the specific uh, project to answer the specific question. We put this data in our data lake and we grow managing this complexity. Up to today, uh, up to now, uh, we have a data lake that uh, more or less contains just uh, the uh, most important variables for us. In this way, we kept the complexity under control and we were able to, to deliver between 10 and 12 initiatives per year, even though we are just uh, seven people. That's fantastic. So, I mean, can you give us some examples of some of the, the products that you guys are using and, and the way that they're data-driven? Because I think that's going to be quite interesting. Absolutely. Um, our main data-driven products are three. We do interactive visualizations for experts. So we collect a big amount of data. We do massive data processing. We prepare metrics. And we deliver these metrics to experts through interactive visualizations. A second output uh, are machine learning models to be integrated in existing systems, in legacy systems. In this case, uh, we encapsulate this ma machine learning model in a REST API uh, that we run in our Kubernetes infrastructure. And finally, we have a mm, custom web-based application. These are final applications for the user. So our final user directly interact with our web-based front-end. Uh, there are cases where um, all of these three products work together. Uh, I'll give you an example of uh, one of our most uh, important pro project product. Um, we, we produce our steel, but we don't start from mineral we start from, uh, from scraps. So you can imagine this like the ingredients for preparing a pie, you know? So first of all, you need to estimate the quality of this scrap in terms of chemical content. So we have a machine learning um, algorithm that every day uh, estimates the content of chemical element for each kind of scrap. Uh, this this um, system 
determine the quality of the scrapper. And on top of that, we built an optimizer that uh, determine the best recipe in terms of scrap that uh, comply with the chemical requirement uh, at the minimal cost. So here we have a, a machine learning model to estimate the chemical content, uh, interactive visualizations to show the value to the, to the process experts, and an optimization engine delivered through a web interface to the final users. Exciting stuff. So uh, I guess another question would be, how have you evolved that infrastructure over time, over the last, let's say, uh, four to five years? Infrastructure uh, in general played a very important role because it's your leverage. So with few people, you can obtain uh, very good results if the infrastructure uh, works with you. So in 2016, we installed our, uh, our first Hadoop cluster. Then in 2017, we improved our infrastructure and we installed the two GPU machines in order to support our training of deep learning models for computer visions. 2019, we have uh, expanded our infrastructure and we have installed a private cloud infrastructure for providing us virtual machines. And in 2020, we have just ended the installation of our Kubernetes cluster, as I said, for um, providing a data science lab to our researchers and to provide machine learning models. Between 2019 and 2020, we started an initiative with uh, our IT department for putting part of the workload in cloud. So we can say that starting January 2020, our infrastructure is not uh, an on-premise infrastructure anymore, it's more an hybrid infrastructure. We keep within our perimeter all the data that require a very important bandwidth to be transferred, to be computed for, I mean, the volume of the computation is made inside and we, we leave for, for the cloud other loads that can be balanced or that require a few less data than, uh, than the one we use with our on-premise infrastructure. Brilliant stuff. So um, how do you then scale that across the company? This is an, um, a question that uh, we are dealing with this moment. I mean, we are trying to answer this question in this moment. Um, we, we define, we identify the three ways to scale across the company. The first way regards the data collection and data gestion. Uh, because if you collect uh, well your data, this is a very good uh, step ahead. So <clears throat> we're working with our IT and with our industrial IT in order to collect high quality of data in a few places. The second is the infrastructure. So at certain point, the infrastructure is your bottleneck in terms of computational power in particular. So we're working with IT in order to being able to expand our infrastructure uh, to the cloud when it is needed. And third is how you, um, let's say, uh, do the results. So how, you, how can you, um, let's say, analyze more data in order to solve more, more problems. Uh, we identified some educated people in the company, so people that are very interested in data science. Most of them are domain experts or process experts in our case. So we define a training path in order to uh, train them and uh, let them be independent on using uh, 
standard tool for uh, business intelligence or uh, simple modeling like regression models. Uh, in this way, with our supervision, we can expand uh, our influence on the company thanks to the fact that some standard problems are solved by the domain experts themselves. And when you were growing that team, how did you find the, the best way to really uh, prioritize your opportunities? Uh, sure. Uh, as I say, the, the Tenaris is a company that is a very, I mean, is a data-driven company even before uh, our department. Uh, everything, everything is measured. There are KPIs for a lot of things. Um, we decided to manage our activity portfolio like 80-20. Uh, so 80% of the activities needs to have a clear return in terms of money, either in cost saving or product quality improvement. The 20% of the activities are ventures, uh, let's say things at risk, because these we believe are the, are the activities or will produce the results for building up the products of the future. Of the future. How we manage uh, the collection and the triage of these opportunities uh, we collect uh, all the ideas and the opportunities uh, that comes uh, over time along the year. Then there is a moment when we do the budget where we rank all the opportunities according to the expected return, expected benefit. Then we allocate these opportunities 80-20. And then every month we review the progress and we slightly adapt uh, the priority according to new opportunities or the real results in particular uh, on the venture side. So if we see that uh, a venture has a very interesting uh, opportunities in terms of cost saving, we promote and we, and we put on these activities more effort in order to, to obtain the final results. This is the, what, how we do. Makes sense. And when it comes to working with the other technological teams in the company, when we talk about, uh, for example, the IT team, um, how do you find the best way to, to work together with them? Sure, there are two important um, stakeholders uh, in the company. Uh, one, uh, I mean, one class of stakeholders are the IT people. Uh, we are working closely with, uh, with them, uh, in particular for the topics related to uh, data ingestion and data providing and infrastructure. The other very important stakeholder uh, are the domain experts. Uh, as I said, we work uh, on very, on the most complex problems in terms of uh, data analysis. So their knowledge, the knowledge of domain experts is very important in particular at the beginning to guide you through the solution. So we work uh, in close contact with them and this is simplified by our organizational structure. As I said, we work in the same organizational structure. This makes things uh, much easier. And, you know, you sound like someone who has been on this journey personally as well. What really interests you about working with data? The most uh, interesting things uh, on working on data, in my opinion, is the, is the ability to predict trend putting together data and software. I always been, uh, let's say, passionate about this, about this 
capability, no? It gives you the power to predict uh, things before they happen. So I very, I love very much this uh, sensation. And it, it comes across as well. What would you describe as some of the other major successes that you've achieved over your career? You know, we've gone into a lot of detail, but just maybe the headlines. Um, surely, uh, the most uh, important success uh, that I achieved uh, over my career was to for sure bootstrapping this Tenari uh, Data Science team from the bottom up. Uh, this make, made me busy for the last five years and I needed to challenge my managerial and technical limits many times. Sounds like it as, as well. How would you describe your, your leadership style? Because you mentioned you were building the team. Um, so what, what kind of approaches do you think worked for you? I'm working in a technological setting. I am a technical manager, so I'm a manager of technical people. And uh, I strongly believe that in a, in a technical setting, a good manager needs to have uh, the technical respect by his people. This doesn't mean that uh, a technical manager or a manager of technical people needs to be able to do everything they do. This is impossible. But they need, they need to, I mean, it's good, very good when they know that you could do what they do because this creates credibility when you speak and this creates uh, empathy because uh, your team knows that uh, you're asking them something that uh, you have done before. So this is very, very important and very motivating in my opinion. Um, I'd like to talk with them to get through important points of the projects together, give them my suggestion. So my opinion, uh, I, I see me like a coach more than, a, than just a leader or just a manager. And when it comes to communicating these projects with senior leadership, what kind of approaches are you taking there? I frequent contact with executives. In particular, my boss uh, is an executive, is the chief industrial officer, and I have quarterly contact with the company CEO. Over time, I understood that uh, what mattered the most for them are uh, numbers in terms of how much are saving thanks to, to my activities. This is what uh, matters at the end of the day. So I'd like to, as much as possible, try to quantify the results of my activities in, uh, in this term. But also I'd like to give them the intuitions on how I do the things. Because I believe that it's very important that uh, they understand that the things we are managing as a team are complex, uh, which means that are the composition of many different topics in the data in the data world and that they require multiple well integrated skills uh, i believe this is very important because first of all uh, they know that they have this asset at their disposal and second that uh, this can trigger them uh, the imagination of new applications of our capabilities and what about when communicating with your team members with, uh, we have a very frequent communications. As I said, we are just seven, so it's, it's very, we are seven and we are working fortunately in the same space. So it's easy to keep a frequent communication. We have some um, structured uh, moments, in particular a bi-weekly team meeting 
where everybody share with the others their achievement or their issues in order for triggering the discussion. Uh, many times happens that another person that was completely outside the project gave us the intuition to, to solve the, the issue. And then I have one-to-one -one meeting uh, at daily basis, uh, either for uh, technical topics or on motivating topic, or if, they, if we need to solve a specific, a specific issue. So very frequent contact. And you, we've we discussed on the podcast how you've had quite a lot of success in building that team, that data science team. What do you think was the biggest mistake you made during your career? Okay, fortunately, so far I never made very big mistakes. Uh, if you'd like to, to look for a single event, um, once, when I was uh, young, was, uh, I, mean, I think uh, in the first year in the, in the position in the company, during a meeting, I didn't support my point because I was intimidated by the people in the room. Mm. I found myself uh, the smallest fish in the aquarium, so I decided not to, to sustain my point. But at, at the end, uh, we discovered that my position uh, was the proper one, and I realized that I lost a very important opportunity to, to stand my point. So from that moment, I decided that when I have data or facts to my side, I've always supported my point. Excellent stuff. So uh, I guess uh, another question which is very prevalent right now is how has COVID-19 affected your role? Uh, last spring in Italy, in particular in the northern part, uh, the COVID-19 uh, had a very strong impact. Uh, we were 100% in lockdown and we all working from home. So we need to restructure our way of working from the night to the morning, so very quickly. Fortunately, we already had in place a smart working program, even though it was limited just uh, of one day per week. But with this program, we were at least uh, at a very good uh, technical level, so everybody was able to work uh, and uh, access to the system from home. So first of all, we changed all the rules. Uh, before it was a very structured smart working, like from nine to five with maximum one hour for the lunch, etc. And we removed all the rules. So 100% remote, eight hours per day between seven and 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. Doesn't matter when the people uh, like to, to work. The important thing is that uh, all of them is to keep their calendar update in order for the people to understand way, when they were working or when they're resting. Uh, we did a weekly meeting with the team with the webcam on in order to, to see the other people because it was a moment where you need really to uh, see the people to, to understand and to feel their emotion and their, their, their mental status was, a, was very tough for, for all of us. Uh, moreover, uh, when you are a manager like like me, uh, you also speak for the company. So I used that moment for uh, speaking with them, for telling them what was the main line of the company with clear messages. Uh, regarding the technical part, we maintain technical meetings with three, four people in order to maintain and promote different points of view. And we keep one-to-one -one call for sensitive topics. We increase the use of tools like uh, shared whiteboard and Kanban 
for the project management things. We didn't have in place, I mean, we are not having in place any ag formal agile methodology because we are very, we have few people and most of the time one project, one person. So we don't need to, uh, we need it, I mean, uh, up to now we needed to put in place a formal agile uh, technology, but we started to use some of the tools related to the agile uh, methodology because uh, they simplified our organization of the work. It required days uh, for adapting, so we, we learn by trials and error. As we all are, I'm sure. So to summarize then, what advice would you give uh, to start up a, a data science department, particularly in a manufacturing environment? Okay, to summarize, uh, um, I believe that the most important advice is, uh, could be, first of all, at the beginning, focus on results to prove the effectiveness of the approach beside of the technology. Second, uh, focus on the construction of the team. In particular, start with a strong data engineer because at the beginning you don't have data. And if you start with a data scientist, uh, it's very difficult to give him or her a workplace to work because most of the time data scientists do not have the skills for capturing, gathering the data themselves. So starting with that engineers, in my opinion, is a smart move. Third, uh, involve a domain expert from the beginning in any project, because as two roles, first of all, validate your results, but most important, guide you at the beginning when you, when you don't know nothing regarding the domain. For suggestion, focus and spend time on hiring and training. These are the two most important activities at the beginning because you want to hire well and train well your people because at the end of the day is an intellectual work and it is made by, by people and technology supports the people but the main actor are the people. The fifth point in particular, if the team is very small at the beginning to grow by managing the complexity because there are many different level of complexity, data complexity, technological complexity. So uh, do just what you need to solve your task and build upon results. This is my opinion is another very important uh, advice. And uh, the last one can be give importance to the entire life cycle of a machine learning project, not just on the training. There are two very important phases that most of the time are a little bit uh, neglected by the people, which are the deployment of the, of the machine learning models, the integrations with, re, with the, the existing systems, and the monitoring of the performance. But at the end of the day, are these three last phases that convert the technical results in companies' KPIs. And when you go to speak with the executives, you speak on KPIs. So if you're able to put in production your model, monitor their effect, adapt it in order to improve the KPI, then you are done because you cover the entire life cycle and you are successful because your result can be measured on industrial KPIs. Brilliant stuff. 
I guess uh, another question just following on from the COVID stuff is what does your routine look like? Daily routine, you mean? Okay. Uh, I try to have two hours of focused work at the beginning in the morning between uh, 8.30, 10.30. Uh, this is the moment where I put together the ideas and uh, where I set up my, my day. Then I spend the morning in uh, the rest of the morning in coordination meetings with my team and for technical discussion on single projects. I try to keep uh, one, maximum two projects per day in order to have time to enter in the flow and to give a, a factual contribution. And they are, we, we keep the afternoon for coordination calls with our internal clients because most of them are in the time zone of US. So uh, they start working at 3, 4 p.m. Italian time and we have just three, four hours in the afternoon for working with, uh, with them. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? <laughs> I, I, yes, for sure. I know... I know this very well, uh, was an uh, advice that I received from my PhD advisor. Uh, he said, do what is between your passion and your talent. Because if you just follow your passion, but you are not talented with, with, uh, with it, uh, you do something that you like, but you are not good at. Uh, on the other way, if you just follow your talent, uh, you can probably be successful, but you are not going to like what you do. If you find uh, this, uh, let's say this point in the middle, this is the ideal world. I, I would like to say that in this moment uh, is what I'm doing. What are you curious about right now? I'd like to explore more reinforcement learning. I've never applied uh, seriously, but I found very important uh, opportunities, in particular when you have a simulated environment that you can uh, use, that you can excite, because in this way you can find optimal solutions uh, without doing, in our case, uh, industrial trials that, that cost uh, a lot of money because you are using plants that usually are devoted to the production. Who is your favorite author? Uh, so, I, Daniel Kahneman and his book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, was a book that changed my perception of my brain. So I understood a lot uh, on how my brain works and uh, in general, people's brain works. So you are able to, uh, let's say, understand better the behavior of people and also influence the behavior of people. I always read Bill Gates' letters. I found Bill Gates a very smart person, very lucid, very able to anticipate uh, the macro trend of the future, not just in technology, but uh, in, any, in any field. And I also liked a lot uh, the books of uh, Harari, uh, Sapiens, Homo Deus. I never put much attention on the human history but with these books, uh, I was able to understand better where we come from. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is a quote. Some people say that uh, African proverb. I'm, I'm not sure, but I like uh, in any case. Uh, and he says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together.
that's been a, a pretty common one in, in recent episodes. So uh, yeah, good to hear that that's been sustained. Last question. What advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data? For aspiring leaders in data, I would suggest to, first of all, develop a solid academic background on STEM disciplines. Then to experiment these, uh, these skills, this knowledge, working on personal projects. And then when you, when you have the possibility to get exposed as much as possible to real world problems which are an extension of your personal projects. Because uh, if you follow this step, you, you accumulate uh, academic experience, personal experience on your passion, and the experience of working on real world problems with all the such a technical complexities. Great advice there from Vincenzo Manzoni, who is the Data Science Director at Tenoris. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, uh, Paul, for inviting me. Thank you.